Bring it in. Readoption pod back here to tackle our second of the five Power Five conferences here on our way to the start of college football season. Scotty, 16 days away from college football. Isn't it beautiful, man? I'm reporting live down here from the south. So, uh, you know, just hanging out in the hot and uh, and humid weather down here. Um, And yeah, man, I look like you're in the grove. The yeah, and Miss. yeah, a little bit of the Grove. We're going to talk about Ole Miss, get some hotty toddies in us in November once the Egg Bowl rolls around. Uh, we might need to double up uh, this in one of these weeks to make sure we get it all in because it's crazy how quickly uh, college football is, is coming. Um, also, programming note for everybody, you might have noticed we had two pods go out on Tuesday. Uh, not sure what happened to our last uh, Friday episode, so... Um, reposted that first, the Big Ten preview, which was great. Um, probably sounded a little out of date, at least by a few days, because I was already back and everything. But you got a double dose and then technically a triple dose uh, as well here. So uh, lots to get into today. The best conference in college football. It just means more. It always does. Um, well, to them, at least. And it is the SEC. Uh, before we get into that, anything new in the world of Scotty Miller? No, not really, you know, just uh, trying to enjoy the last vestiges of, of summer, as it were, even though it uh, Labor Day is a, a couple weeks away. Stoked for college football. We are three Thursdays away from Penn State football. Penn State, uh, Purdue. As that's you right. We open down. on a Thursday. Um, and uh, and yeah, You'll FedEx Cup so... playoffs started, too. They did. They did, including. And, uh, and we won't talk too much golf. Uh, at all basically in this pod because it's not what this pod's about but cam smith going to live not overly shocking um i think it was going to kind of be known but did you see the clip of scotty scheffler and him yeah walking over his line (laughs) because the the two of them are one two in the fedex cup and they're playing together and uh for as nice of a guy as scotty uh, as scotty scheffler looks because he does look like he looks like he'd be the nicest guy in the world I loved that. And the PGA got that video uh, stripped down from the internet too. So you can't even find it. You can only see screenshots of Cam Smith's reaction. Um, Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, And it's getting more. It was, it started off contentious with Rory and JT and those guys getting pissed about it. And then everyone was kind of like, all right, it is what it is for a, a month or two there. And now this feels like the contention is, is they're, they're annoyed now. Right. They didn't like it at first and it pissed them off and then they accepted it. But now that it just just keeps happening and everyone's talking about it, you can tell it's getting under uh, the skin of a lot of guys. And we'll all get to watch it come January when we have uh, when we have the. uh, The F1 style documentary series come out on Netflix, uh, which will be electric. So, uh, all right. No more golf talk. Let's talk ball. We are going to start as one does in the SEC with the SEC West and the best team in college football, arguably the best dynasty in college football history, the Alabama Crimson Tide and one Nick Saban. We mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago, uh, or maybe it was two weeks ago. I don't know. Whenever we, we brought this up, I think it was last week, how Nick Saban said that last year for the Crimson Tide was a rebuilding year. And as insane as that sounds, 
it's actually very true. Remember, this team was close to losing a few times, right? They almost lost to LSU. They arguably should have lost to Auburn. They did lose on the road to Texas A&M. Uh, and then they had an unbelievable performance in the uh, SEC title game only to then, um, you know, come up a bit short in the national championship against Georgia. This Alabama team should be really, really good. Now, they lose a lot at wide receiver. Uh, obviously, you lose Jameson Williams and John Mechie, two guys who were um, stalwarts there over the last few years. Uh, by the way, five first-round Alabama wide receivers have been drafted in the last three NFL drafts. Just an unbelievable, good. unbelievable. Wide receiver you. <laughs> unbelievable. They're in everything you. They're everything you. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, they are, they're so good. It's, it's really crazy. Uh, but they do bring in two transfer wide receivers to replace those guys, uh, Tyler Harrell from Louisville and Jermaine Burton from Georgia. So that should help. And, of course, they have a couple of young guys there who uh, – Honestly, you know, two guys left. Billingsley left. He's in Texas. Uh, one other guy went to Texas as well from that receiving core. But we know how they recruit. We know they're going to be uh, they're going to be uh, fine. Just that fine. Position. Just fine. Yeah. Uh, you look at the <laughs> offensive line, right? You lose Evan Neal. But honestly, you know, this offensive line, even though they did have a top 10 pick go in Evan Neal, um, they struggled a little bit last year. They gave up yeah. 41 sacks, and that's with a mobile and elusive quarterbacks. You'd expect that young offensive line from last year to improve and get even better and not to bury the lead, you know, because I kind of just did, but they have the reigning Heisman winner and Bryce Young coming back. And the guy who, if you listen to this pod, I told you was the best player in college football last year who should have been the Heisman, Will Anderson, uh, who is absolutely going to be in the conversation for the Heisman as well. Um, Henry Toe Toe is still there. They bring in LSU transfer at linebacker Eli Ricks, or sorry, in the secondary for Eli Ricks. Uh, you got Jordan Battles. So they, they just have talent everywhere. So uh, right off the bat, they're over under for wins. Has to be what, Scotty? 11 and a half? 11. 11, 11 on the dot. Yeah. You know, uh, I just, I don't see this team losing more than once in the regular season. Um, they're just going to be amazing again, and they should be. Yeah, and again, we we talk about this with the with the greats uh, of coaching, let alone those who have uh, both great coaching prowess and uh, great teams. The Bill Belichick's of the world, Nick Saban is obviously in that same conversation. Until they prove they can't, and it, 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 look, if a rebuilding year to you is. Uh, coming off of an SEC title game and uh, and and national championship game as well. Uh, hey, I don't want to be in the path of that revenge tour, uh, especially with the fact that they, you know, we they lost a lot of talent, a lot of first round talent to the NFL, but they just keep replenishing with four and five star guys who come in and play unbelievable football, uh, and it wouldn't be any other way for Nick Saban. Uh, I don't see who. On here can stop them. Obviously, everybody has that uh, October 9th game against Texas A&M circled on that calendar uh, because of the uh, some of the offseason stuff between Saban and uh, and Jimbo Fisher, and the fact uh, that Texas A&M got them last year in College right. Station. Like the fact that and and this is gonna be, that game's gonna be in Tuscaloosa. Uh, this is for as much as you know, crazy A&M fans are gonna want to beat Alabama you're not doing it two years in a row. And, and I don't think you're quite there yet though. I think they are close and we'll get to A&M in a little bit. That's right. 
I mean, the, so the SEC is the SEC, and it's going to be wild, especially in the West. Um, you know, the the Arkansas at Arkansas, uh, October first. Uh, you might highlight that as a potential place where they stumble, and I think they really only stumble once uh, if they do at all uh, at Tennessee potentially, uh, and then they play uh, at Death Valley uh, at the, to open up the uh, the November calendar. Uh, that could be uh, a place where they stumble too, but I just don't see uh, a spot with this roster uh, and this much talent on both sides of the ball uh, where where they could. Uh, the big interesting one on their schedule is the second week of the season yeah. at University of Texas playing at DKR uh, in Austin Saturday, September 10th. That um, game's, I think, going to be really interesting. Honestly, um, yeah. preview, preview of years to come because Texas now joining the SEC. Uh, I think we'll see this matchup a lot more. You got the uh, the Nick Saban and um, Steve Sarkeesian, you know, battle the, the next of, you know, the Saban tree guys to try to challenge Saban. As we saw for the first time, one of his disciples beat him um, last year. Actually happened twice because Kirby Two, finally. Yeah. yeah, Kirby finally got him there in the uh, in the national championship as well so will steve sarkeesian have the same luck i mean you know quinn ewers obviously going to be the starter there at texas <clears throat> we got a chance to see what he looks like number one qb prospect from a couple of years ago uh but you're right scott there's not a whole lot on the schedule that makes you worried and and what's crazy is we were just talking about this before the show is just how loaded the west is from top to bottom i mean auburn's projected to be the worst of this group and you know, they were trying to torpedo Brian Harson, and and for some legitimate and some illegitimate reasons. But we know how crazy the booster program is at Auburn and how, you know, how much fingerprints of, of wealthy alumni are all over that that program. Um, but everyone, I mean, Ole Miss coming off of a 10 win season um, or a nine in the regular season. Uh, and then I think they lost the bowl game. But, uh, you know, a big year from Ole Miss, a big year from uh, Mississippi State, who lost a couple of weird games, that game against Memphis, uh, and they're returning guys. Like, this whole division is loaded, and yet no one is even close to the level of Alabama. You know, it's really a dogfight for who's going to finish in second place, which I think that dogfight will be really, really interesting. Um, But I don't know. I also wanted to add, too, uh, in addition to the wide receivers that they got and a couple of guys on defense that they got in the transfer portal – they also brought in Georgia Tech transfer Jameer Gibbs, who uh, I believe led the country in all-purpose yards last year. He did, and yes. Is so much, and Brian Robinson was great for them. He'd been in the program for a long time. He had a couple of really big moments. I mean, that game against Cincinnati in the college football playoff, he was a beast because they just knew they could you know, punish Cincinnati at the line of scrimmage, and that's what they did. Um, but what Jameer Gibbs gives you out of the backfield – in terms of explosiveness, in terms of being able to catch the ball, do a little bit more. I mean, it's such a perfect fit. And you're putting him with a really, really good quarterback in Bryce Young. Now, the other thing, too, is Bryce Young put up, like, all-time type numbers last year. And that's why he ended up winning the Heisman, albeit begrudgingly for a lot of people, because it didn't really feel like there was. I felt like we kind of had to give the Heisman to Bryce Young. And not that he didn't deserve it, but it was just a weird year for the Heisman. And... I'm really curious, man. Like, I don't think it's po- – I mean, if he replicates it, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think he can be much better than he was last year, That's and that's, you know, because of how good he was. Uh, but they also have some different pieces. And, you know, Jamison Williams, like, in that game against Arkansas last year that was a track meet, 
you know, Jameson Williams did so much for them after the catch. And there's yeah. going to, there's going to be some, you know, developing and, and remember too, Jameson Williams is the transfer. So the fact from Ohio state. So the fact that Bryce young was able to get on, on the same page with him right away is big. Also a rarity for this Alabama team. Both coordinators are back for a second year that rarely ever happens at Alabama. Uh, I think they're the favorite to win the sec. I think they're the favorite to win the national championship. I, I agree with you. And to your point about uh, about Bryce Young, if he stays healthy, I don't see them losing a game this season. I really don't. Yeah. And they're going to waltz into Atlanta undefeated. They're going to come out of Atlanta undefeated, be the one in the playoff. And, you know. Yeah. It's just crazy because they had all this these top end talent, you know, uh, two was it two first round draft picks this year, at least. Right. Evan Neal and, and Jameson Williams. I might be missing somebody else, but I think they had two. Uh, they had another a ton of guys drafted on on top of that, but it was a rebuilding year by their standards. The offensive yeah. line should be better this year. The wide yep. receiver group well, probably, they're a year well, older too. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, right? They were so young last year, and Saban got them to the, coached them up to the level that they ended up getting to at the end of yeah. the you know regular season. And I think I there's st- only one underclassman on the offensive line this year. Yeah, and I I still contest that. If Jameson Williams and John Mechie play in the national championship game and, and you know, Jameson Williams doesn't get hurt in the first half, they, I, I think Alabama wins. Because yeah. I, I, there was one way they were rolling. <laughs> yeah. There was one weakness to Georgia's defense last year, if you can even call it that. And that was the secondary. And there was no better wide receiver in college football last year, dynamic wise, than Jameson Williams. Um, so we'll see if, you know, I don't think you're going to get that same level of dynamic play out of Harrell or Burton. Um, Jermaine Burton's a really good player, though. Uh, so I think the offense is going to look a little bit different. Um, and I think they get back, if they get past Texas, which they should, uh, I, I'm sure they're going to end up being a, a 14 and a half, if not more point, you know, favorite in that game. Yeah, Alabama should cruise, yeah. and I'm I'm definitely I'm going to take the over. I'm just not like I don't I don't see a loss on that schedule. There'll be one weird game, which is why the numbers at eleven. But honestly, like from a betting perspective, you would rather take the over and take the twelve and zero, right? Like, it, it, oh yeah. If you take the if you if you take the under on it, you'd rather you know because they're not losing two regular season games. They're just not. So if no. if the line's at eleven, you need them to go ten and two, which they're not going to do. So if you're taking the over, you know, I don't know. I I just it's just the it's simple math. <laughs> yeah, you just take you just take the risk, right? Um, yeah. And I think we're are you on the same page with me? Take the over there, absolutely. And I think they're going to be two score favorites in just about every game they play this year, including the Texas game week two. Agreed. Agreed. And yeah, in fact, I, I mean, obviously we, we don't know what the whole season will look like, but looking at their schedule, I don't know a single game that wouldn't be double digits. I mean, yeah. if, if we're talking about <laughs> a 10 and a half point favorite, I mean, there's no one on this list. Um, no one. All right, let's talk. So Alabama league of their own, same thing with Georgia. And we'll get to them when we move over to the West, but for the rest of the sec or the East rather, but for the rest of the sec West, to me, it's kind of tiers, right? So, you have Alabama clear cut and that second tier. There's a few teams and in my, in my eyes, it's A&M LSU and uh, Arkansas. And 
of those teams, the one that I'm most intrigued to see how they look this year is LSU. So we're going to go to Death Valley here and talk a little bit about Brian Kelly's first year in the SEC and what it might look like, right? Because it was the it was the biggest move by, I mean, who, which do you think was bigger? Uh, you know, a coach leaving Notre Dame for LSU or Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma for USC? Because I, I mean, no uh, coach. Leaving had, Notre Dame for that's LSU. That's what I mean. No yeah. coach has ever, I mean, for both programs, it's, it's crazy to think that a coach willingly left on their own. Um, but I, it made sense for, uh, for, for Lincoln Riley. Um, the Brian Kelly one, I think makes sense too, because he got everything you can possibly get out of Notre Dame. And there's just a certain talent gap that you just can't, you know, you just can't make up. At, at Notre Dame, despite the fact that, yeah, he's had Kyle Hamilton and guys like that over the years and has been unbelievably successful. But the one thing that you can never say against Brian Kelly, he doesn't lose when he has a team that's talented enough to win. When he goes into a matchup with the superior talent on the roster, they win. It, it's really that simple. Brian Kelly wins when he has the talent. And now you're going to elevate the talent on the roster. Keep in mind as well, the problem with LSU over the last couple of years since they won the national championship wasn't a lack of talent. It was a lack of culture. It was, you know, the the inconsistency across uh, across the board and the, the Coach O victory tour that turned into some really weird, weird stuff. So I'm really excited about this. They have a three-way, potentially even four-way quarterback battle. Um, they bring in Jaden Daniels, the transfer from Arizona State. Uh, you had Miles Brennan, who said he was going to leave and then did the uh, the classic Wolf of Wall Street. You know, I ain't fucking leaving. Uh, and then they also have a newcomer who I believe is a redshirt freshman, Garrett Neusmeyer. Um, And those are going to be the three big names. I've I've waited probably too long on the Jaden Daniels train. I loved him. I had him as a dark horse Heisman winner um, or candidate, at least for the last two seasons. Uh, and he's just never improved his accuracy when he was at Arizona State. Uh, Arizona State had a weird year last year and had a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes in that program and off the field stuff. But I think in a new situation with talent surrounding him that, Al that LSU has, I think Jaden Daniels, who is a, just a really, really athletic, talented kid, will have opportunities to perform well. And again, in that second tier in the SEC, there's wins to be had. And from a betting perspective, I believe you can get them at about seven and a half wins. Um, and I, I think they're going to do really well with that kind of a line. So uh, what do you see here from the Tigers here? Uh, and, and what do you think Brian Kelly's going to do here in his first year at, at LSU? I'm just, uh, I'm enamored by the fact that, and this is <laughs> perhaps a little trendy, but the fact that they do have that much talent and Brian Kelly coming in, just a confluence of things where, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the over-under in, in a second, but yeah, you can get them at seven, seven and a half in most places, but uh, I feel like they're just a better team than that with those things that have happened in the offseason, like inherently, not just looking at their, well, last year they, uh, they uh, underperformed uh, after a, a massive hangover from uh, from the national champions, no, I don't think it was that at all. Um, I don't think it was that at all. Um, and so, you know, they do bring in Jaden Daniels, who I expect to win the quarterback battle uh, because uh, uh, what's the other one who's there for his like eighth year? Miles Brennan, uh, who I Miles said this Brennan. to you before. Miles Brennan was at LSU before Joe Burrow transferred there. Well, 
yeah, and that's part of the the COVID year thing. Well, that's that's fine. Um, but I I expect Jaden Daniels to win. Uh, his big thing though, you know, you talked about the accuracy, but uh, even on dropbacks, uh, among quarterbacks with at least three hundred seventy five dropbacks last season, his he had fifteen point one percent rate of scrambles per dropback. That rarely plays in the SEC, uh, and it's largely because uh, the coverage is generally so good on your wide receivers that you're going you're either forced to do that or forced to throw into uh, into some bad situations that might play in the Pac-12 uh, where you can get away with some of that with some with some speedy wide receiver play on the other end but he'll have a better offensive well line because that's that's the other thing like he had bad yeah. offensive lines at Arizona State um and when you were going when they were going up against the Utahs and and teams that had really good pass rushers Oregon as well you know he didn't have a ton of time um which yeah. the offensive line at LSU should be significantly better, but you're Agreed. also going to be playing, uh, to your point, better secondaries and uh, better defensive lines in the SEC. So that's going to be yep. a big a, a big challenge for them. It is. But for Jaden Daniel, to his credit, uh, another thing that wins in the SEC is athletic quarterbacks. Uh, and he is a very athletic talent. So uh, I expect him to, to come in and step into the role, uh, especially in a Brian Kelly uh, head coach team. Uh, step in nicely and uh, and be a good piece that uh, I think he uh, would will be able to to lead them uh, to uh, to some signature wins. Uh, really, I mean, they open up against Florida State. Uh, that should be uh, a win there. But then some of the the tougher uh, uh, conference games, uh, they play at Florida. Uh, then they they're at home against Ole Miss. Then they have a bye, and then they've got Alabama uh, and Arkansas coming in. They end the year at Texas A&M as well. So a um, couple of tough road tests and, uh, and a tough stretch in, uh, in late fall um, uh, for, for, the, uh, for the Tigers there. But um, again, I think the talent level is, is far better than what their record indicated over the last uh, year or two. Significant. I mean, um, just look at the guys who've come out. I mean, and not just guys, you know, like Jamar Chase who didn't play, you know, um, but you know you have your Derek Stingley, right? Derek Stingley was still where did where did he go in the first round? Top ten, right? I mean, I think yeah, he was, was top not... ten, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, actually, I think it was even high. I think he was three. He was three. Yeah. Yeah. He went, went right before Sauce. Went, yeah, that's right. He went to Houston. Um, their defensive line is going to be better this year too. Um, even though, again, and even though LSU, I mean, look, they lost talent. They lost. I only have six returning starters. Um, but Mason Smith uh, in the interior defensive line and then B.J. Ojolari, uh, they're going to be really, really good uh, mm-hmm. in terms of pass rush. And um, the secondary was, you know, finished 12th in the SEC last or 12th in pass efficiency defense last year. Um, but they got a ton of transfer talent in there. They year. did a uh, ton. And they also I, and we said this before, they did really, really well in the transfer portal. Um, Brian Kelly's already killed the recruiting trail. So I would expect this to be, you know, I, I, I don't think they will end up being, um, you know, a, a playoff team or, you know, a, a, I think they can finish top 25 pretty comfortably. Um, and I think there's a world because this, again, this second tier, you could tell me A&M finish a second. You can tell me Arkansas, you can tell me LSU, you can make the case for Mississippi state or Ole Miss to do the same thing. Um, I don't think those last two will be in there, but there's going to be so many games that are so dead even when LSU plays in AM when in the last week of the season, when LSU plays Arkansas or Ole Miss, you know, any of those games can go either way. 
And I think we'll know probably about four weeks into the season because um, that's usually the kind of the benchmark as to who's legit and who isn't. Like even Iowa, who was 4-0 last year and I think finished as high as like 6-0 before they lost their first game. We all kind of knew like, okay, that's not like they weren't great, even though the record was there. Um, if LSU starts off 4-0, they have to be opening season. They beat Florida State which is, I believe, the Monday night game? Mm, Sunday. Sunday night game uh, of week one, you know, when the the first Sunday in, in, the, um, in the season, right, when it's before the NFL kicks off. So, floor, you know, college football, you get Thursday through Monday of college football every night. Um, then they have Southern, which should be a cakewalk. Then they get Mississippi State at home. They start off with four home games, and then they finish with New Mexico. Two of those should be wins, but those other two, Florida State and Mississippi State, you know, look, Florida State's not great, and this is a big year for Mike Norvell, but I think that'll at least be a challenge, and I think how they look against Florida State, if they come out hot and they look really, really good, I think we'll know a lot about what this LSU team's going to be like. And same thing with Mississippi State, and we'll get to them in a second, but I don't sleep on Mississippi State this year. Mississippi State returns a lot, a lot of starters, uh, and as well as a veteran quarterback. And Mike Leach does well when he has a quarterback that's been there for a while. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens here um, for for LSU. Where do we we have seven and a half for their win total? I've got them at seven. Yeah, seven? you can get it at seven and a half depending on where you go. I've seen both. Uh, I'm going that over. Line, yeah, that line's moved too. They opened yeah. a, a couple months ago at six and a half. Um, and I think people were taking the over there. I'm with you. I'm taking the over seven or seven and a half. I, I think uh, yeah. eight to 10 wins is not, or maybe not 10, but I think eight or nine wins is not uh, Look, inconceivable. Yeah, it's 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 almost a redshirt year too for Brian Kelly. Let's be clear. Like it's for not sure. his guys yet for sure. Uh, he did a great job in the portal and, and, and on the recruiting trail because he signed early enough. Uh, last year that he could go out and, and get his guys in there for, for this incoming class. But um, look, I, he went eight and five, I think his first year at Notre Dame that wasn't his team won the Sumble the next two years, they were, they were double digit wins yeah. and the rest was history there. So I, I love it. Uh, if, even if you're eight wins, that's still playing the over to me. So I'm, and they I'm, also drew the lucky straw of not having to play Georgia. They're yeah. home. They're home against Tennessee and at Florida. Um, which are two teams that I think are, are weirdly enough could finish in a very similar level. Um, Florida's obviously in the transition in Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee could be the dark horse team that to love in the sec East. Um, Hendon hooker is arguably outside of Bryce young, probably the second best quarterback in the sec this year. So it's going to be, those are going to be challenges, but it's not Georgia. So both of those are winnable games. And even if you end up splitting those, you know, they're at Auburn, early in the season i feel like that could be a win uh they're home against mississippi they're home against alabama even though i don't think they'll beat bama and then yeah to close out you have to go at arkansas at a and i'll tell you this even though i think they will take the over this is a tough one to bet uh as are a lot of these because it's a it's a season-long bet they're going to be right around that seven and a half to nine wins um but i i believe in brian kelly even though i think he's kind of a jerk as a person um, I think he's going to get the most out of this team like he has done for the last, you know, 25 years as a head coach in college football. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. All right. Uh, next up, A&M or Arkansas? Where do you want to go? Let's do uh, let's do A&M. A&M. All right. College Station. Huge year for Jimbo Fisher this year. Um, he inked the number one recruiting class in 2022. 
Uh, and even though, you know, look, there's, there's some things to like about what we could see out of this team. And obviously they had the huge win, uh, the, the final kick against Alabama, uh, and that amazing video that went viral of the kicker's girlfriend and his parents, uh, after he made the kick, uh, it was a weird game as what tends to happen in college station late at night on fall Saturdays. Um, but this is a big year, right? Um, the defensive line should be nasty. Uh, they also went out and got DJ Durkin, who was the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss last year, and uh, that's going to help them defensively. The quarterback position is ultimately where this team will either you know succeed or or kind of fail. Because I actually think right now the talent on their roster is a little bit better than LSU, um, but Haynes King who is an absolute freak athlete. He's honestly, he's a little Kyler Murray-esque. He doesn't quite have the arm strength, but he's an unbelievable, he's probably the fastest player on Texas A&M. And, and from what I heard, knowing some people around that program, was that he was in the driver's seat to win that job going into the season last year and ended up getting hurt in training camp. And ultimately, you know, um, Zach uh, Calzada took the starting job. So, you have Haynes King there second year um, or sorry, it was the second game of last year. Uh, and then they also brought in Max Johnson from LSU, who is the son of Brad Johnson. And they have a true freshman who was a high recruit, Connor Wigman, who uh, could also kind of be in the mix, but most likely will not given the fact that they have three guys there and, and two of them have at least started some games. Um, they have a really, really attractive running back. Um, who's coming into his second year, uh, Devin Aiken, who might be the next best thing. They're the next like, like explosive running back. Well, um, but losing Isaiah, just... lo losing Isaiah Spiller is going to hurt them. So uh, we know that they like their running backs and Jimbo Fisher offenses. And whether that's in the passing game or, you know, running out of two tight end sets. Uh, and they also had, well, I forget his name, but the, the tight end from them last year, was supposed to be like a potential first or second round draft pick and had a really, really bad year last year. Uh, and I think he's in camp somewhere right now, but it's going to be interesting to see. Um, they have two good wide receivers, uh, Anaya Smith and Evan Stewart. Um, but again, their success will determine will ultimately be determined by what happens at quarterback. So uh, where are you feeling right now on the Aggies here? Uh, how important is it for, Jimbo Fisher to have a big year to, to at least finish second in the SEC West. Uh, I think you touched on uh, in one of your descriptions about booster money. I think you were, you were referencing Auburn at that point. Uh, Texas A&M is crazier. Uh, mm -hmm. The amount of money that they pour into that program from the, from the boosters uh, is, is absolutely insane. Uh, and, and look for, for Jimbo to finish in the top three in recruiting each of the last, uh, I believe it's three years now. Uh, I think I think something has to to turn. Uh, look, I know you're in uh, in one of the toughest divisions, and probably the toughest division in football, uh, especially with uh, with Alabama at the top there. But like, you have to take advantage of those situations where you beat Alabama at home in a year, right? Um, uh, those don't come that often. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think they're going to come this year. But it, it, if it does, you have to take advantage, right? Uh, I think he's got enough talent. Haynes King is unbelievably athletic. 
Uh, I just got done saying that athletic quarterbacks are really good in the SEC. Uh, and I think he can be, be a difference maker. Aiken, too, even though Aiken's 5'9", uh, I think he has the potential to be uh, a, an absolute stud in the backfield. Uh, well, and on good, offenses, last year, he was... on good offenses, we've seen short. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Elair was the best running back yeah. in, the, in the SEC, or at least one of them the year that, you know, Kenny Gainwell. won, right? Kenny... <laughs> at well, he was at Memphis, yeah, but yeah. But in but the yeah, SEC, I, I'm saying, you know, like it's not yeah. always just size. You know, it's not all Najee Harris's and Derrick Henry's, right? Those guys don't grow on cheat on trees. And typically when they do, they go to Alabama. <laughs> right. And so even, uh, you know, they lose Isaiah Spiller. Uh, and even despite him being in the in the backfield last year, uh, alongside uh, Aiken, who was the two, Aiken still got seven yards per carry and 11 yards per reception mm-hmm. last year. So that's that's pretty damn good as a, as a as a two back or even a one a if you're using him in that uh, in that way. Uh, defensively, I'm not I'm not too worried about them. Uh, they they were they were tough last year and they got better uh, uh, this year. So um, it it has to be a prove it year, I think. Uh, at least prove it enough that you know. I I think the leash is a little longer there uh, because it's Jimbo Fisher because. Uh, you're playing Alabama, but you have to take advantage of those scenarios when um, when they when they come to you, and, and yeah. when you go out and win tough games, uh, even if it is at home, but particularly on the road in the SEC, you gotta you gotta strike while the iron's hot. Well, and on top of this too, I mean, I, I don't think. All right, let me say, I don't think Jimbo's in any danger of losing his job. No, no, no. However, I do believe that the, we need to see something different, right? Like this is the first year that they crushed the recruit. They were number one in the recruiting class, right? So this isn't going to be the year that you expect it. I think next year's defense, you're going to want to see a lot of. Um, they have arguably the best secondary in the country coming back, despite losing a couple of guys up front. This defense should be really, really good. And they were one of the best defenses in college football last year. They probably won't be as good. Um, I need to see a step up from the offense, and two, it's losing dumb games. Like they lost that game to Mississippi State last year that they just should not have lost. They lost to Arkansas last year. And Arkansas was a good team last year, but that's not a game that Jimbo Fisher and Texas AM, with the amount of talent that they have, should be losing, especially with how good the offensive line was last year. Do you realize? And I, I read this stat when I was doing my homework for this. The last time that AM beat both Ole Miss and Mississippi State in the same season, was the year Johnny Manziel was there and they won and he won the Heisman? Wow. That was the last time that they beat Ole Miss and Mississippi State in the same season. That's why. And those, and those are, two, are like those like are middle games of the road teams. Should, exactly. Yeah. Those are teams like think about what both of those teams have been in the last 10 years since Johnny Manziel played, Greg, right? because that was 2014. Well, yeah. Well, okay. 13. So <laughs> it was somewhere in that in that ballpark. But thinking about what that team was compared to you know or what those teams have been over the last decade like though you shouldn't lose to them if you're texas a&m you know and, and granted like yeah they had you know uh, kevin sumlin was there right and, and they had other guys as the head coach but now that you've had jimbo and this is year number six for jimbo like you have you have to win is it six or five either way <laughs> either way you can't lose to both of those teams. You, yeah. you can't, you know, and they beat Ole Miss last year, but they didn't beat Mississippi State. Actually, did they? Now, now I'm second guessing myself. They might have actually lost to Ole Miss. Um, so for this team that has the potential that they have, uh, this is a big year in the sense of Jimbo needs to beat the teams that they should beat. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, What's their? And, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that their schedule does them them no favors. I think, and I'll get we'll, we'll talk about it when we hit the East. But their East draw this year is Florida and at South Carolina. Those are going to be two tough games. Yeah. Um, and and of course the the division the tough division games against Alabama, uh, LSU, uh, Arkansas, and Ole Miss at least uh, who will who will touch on uh, upcoming. It it doesn't get easy. Um, look, I think you you beat Miami in, in week two or whatever week three. Uh, uh, that's going to be a tough game, but you have the the advantage of that being at home. Miami's improved, but you should be that better team. Mm. Uh, same same goes for for your your conference games as well. Um, but I I actually uh, at uh, at eight and a half, I've got them on the under. That's eight and a half. Do, do I expect yeah, I them? I think oh, it's right about there. I think it's eight. Yeah, I think it's an eight and four team. I mean, ultimately, it's about Haynes King because because I think he wins the job. Um, you know, he threw for almost 300 yards in his first start when he was. Uh, but that was against Kent State. And then he was in for half the game before he got hurt when they were playing Colorado. Remember, they almost lost that game. They won 10 mm-hmm. to 7. Yeah. And Calzada ended up having to come in, um, you know, in the in the first half. And, and he was not good. <laughs> and then he started the rest of the season for them. But you lose to Arkansas, you lose to Mississippi State, you lose to Ole Miss, and you lost to LSU last year. So um, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna take the under. But I like I do like Haynes King, but because he only got to play in one game last year, I do think he's gonna be pretty raw. I'll take the under. Um, I think eight wins is is here. And and weirdly enough, too. And you, we haven't always said this about the SEC West, but there's going to be some Pac-12-ish, other than Alabama, there's going to be some Pac-12-ish, you know, cannibalization going on in this in for, in this division. Um, you know, LSU might beat A&M, who will beat Ole Miss, or you know, will beat Arkansas, right? Like they're all. I think they're all going to take a couple of games from around each other. So I think eight wins is the number. So I'll I'll take the under here, but um, they could also win nine or ten games, and I wouldn't be super shocked either. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't because if if Haynes King ends up being as good as we think, or at least he could be, um, they could be pretty dynamic. They could be yeah. pretty dynamic on offense. Um, all right, let's go to Arkansas, the third team here of that second tier. Um, coming off the best season they had had in, what, 20 years at least. Um, Sam Pittman, uh, you know, bringing back both coordinators after the year they had, Barry Odom and uh, – Kendall Bryles, uh, that says a lot about the program. It says a lot about what Sam Pittman has built at Arkansas. Uh, they bring back KJ Jefferson, uh, who looked really solid for a lot of times last year. But the one thing with um, uh, w- with KJ Jefferson was that forty percent of the wide receiver yards for Arkansas came came from uh, Traylon Burks, who you no longer have. Yeah, um, and how much of that was yards after the catch? A lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, they did bring in Jadon Hazelwood from Oklahoma and Matt Landers from Toledo. Hazelwood was the number one recruit uh, at the wide receiver position in the 2019 class. So you bring in some talent, um, and there's already a couple guys who are a little bit older. So I don't think you're going to get a Traylon Burks, but I do think you're going to have a more deep wide receiver room uh, without just the top-end talent uh, i think the defense is going to continue to be really really good they also brought in 
two uh, guys from LSU, uh, defensive back as well as a linebacker. They bring in a defensive end from Georgia Tech. Uh, I, there's a lot to like about Arkansas, and if Arkansas had LSU schedule or if Arkansas had A&M schedule, I would probably like them uh, to, to be the best team out of this second tier. However, they don't have those. Oh. Uh, they have an incredibly, incredibly difficult schedule um, starting off the year with Cincinnati, followed by South Carolina, who we'll get to in a little bit, but I, I kind of like uh, South Carolina. Montana State, who was just in the FCS National Championship, though they lost a lot of talent and they shouldn't compete there uh, with Arkansas. Then it's at uh, Texas A&M. Home against Bama, which, you know, even if you're home, you're probably not winning that game. At Mississippi State, at BYU, at Auburn. They're home against Liberty, who doesn't have Malik Willis, but they've done really well over the last few years. And then you got LSU, uh, Mississippi State, and then you close the season at Missouri. That's a really hard schedule, and it comes at you freaking quick. I mean, there's there's a not unrealistic chance that they start off the season 2-2. Two and two. Um, that would be, that would be a win. I think if you start off two and two, I, I don't know if it's a win because Cincinnati, I do expect to have a bit of a drop off. They lost a ton of talent, but they'll still be a good team. I think first game without Desmond Ritter, without sauce Gardner, with all, without so much of the talent and Kobe Bryant and guys that they lost there at Cincinnati, I'd be really surprised if they came out and beat Arkansas at Arkansas week one. Um, but then South Carolina, I think, has a chance to be really good. Um, and I think having to go to college station at the end of September is well, also... that game's in that's in Arlington. Oh, that oh, you're at right the, at the Cowboys Stadium, right. which is, but it is a home game, I think, it for it's, AM. It's, yeah, it's a home game. Um, uh, but either way, I think they they should beat Cincinnati, they should beat South Carolina, uh, and they definitely should beat Montana State. So I think three and one. Um, out of that set is would be my guess, but again, I wouldn't be shocked if they're two and two. Yeah, I don't see it. And then you know you get to you get through that gauntlet uh, at the beginning of the season, which won't be easy, especially with the amount of of, of new talent that they're that they're uh, cycling into the starting rotations. After all that, you get uh, your reward is to play Alabama. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing too. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, so I don't know, man. I don't and see it uh, at Mississippi State and at BYU. I mean, yeah. they don't get a break from the start of the season. They get one, the Montana State game. But other than that, in the first what eight weeks of the season, seven weeks of the season, they don't really get a break other than Montana State. Yeah, I mean, I'm that's not... that's tough. And, and look, I love the fact that you have the the trio coming back on on both sides of the ball, you've got the trio of uh, 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 at least on offense, your, your quarterback, your offensive coordinator, your head coach, all stayed the same. Mm-hmm. Um, that's big. Uh, I, I'm not sold. And, and this is not because he beat me in the, in the bowl game last year. Uh, he beat Penn state, but I am not sold on KJ Jackson. Not at all. I think I, like we said at the top here, a ton of that was, was Traylon Burks. Like a ton of it was Traylon Burks. Um, and I think they've got some good pieces to fill in around, uh, but when you're missing that much star power, and especially that which made your your quarterback uh, look really really good, um, some of the decision making I saw in the in the few games I I watched last year wasn't stellar. Uh, but he can move 
a little bit for a big guy, yeah. uh, which is something to, to keep well, he's hard. Mind. He's also hard to bring down. He's got a little bit yeah. of that big Ben kind of thing going on, obviously not to the same level, but like a college version of that where he's just big and strong. He's a good athlete. Um, he's got a good arm and you know, I, I, he's not a bad quarterback. I mean, I, I think he's probably God who, thinking of returning starters here in, excuse me, Bless you. thinking of the returning starters here in uh, the sec West. I mean, you have Bryce young, obviously, but question mark at Auburn question mark at LSU question, uh, question mark at Ole Miss question mark at A&M. Uh, which we think it'll be Jackson Dart at Ole Miss, but even still, he's we still don't really know. Uh, uh, Will Rogers at Mississippi State and KJ Jefferson are kind of both in that same level. So I, I, I don't know. I like KJ, but at the same time, he, I don't think you're. I don't think he's winning every game for. You. I think he'll win some games for you, um, but it, I also don't think he's so bad that you're like, oh, we won in spite of the fact that we had KJ Jefferson. You know. Um, It'll be interesting. And I just love yeah. this team. I love Sam Pittman. I love I, I love everything about them. Um, it, it, I will say, if you can rip off 3-1 or 4-0 in those first four games like we were talking about, uh, then I would hammer the under. I just don't see, you know, especially the Texas A&M game, I don't see it. Uh, and I've got their over-under here at uh, at 7. I'm going to take the under. I think they're, they're a bold team but i think they're six and six at the end of the day uh what was the over under seven i'm gonna take the over um which may not make sense i just pulled this up by the way last year kj jefferson 21 touchdowns and only four interceptions on 294 attempts 67 percent completion percentage i'd be interested to see what what his depth of target is because I'm willing to bet it's pretty low. It's, it's not a lot, but that's also not what yeah. they ask him to do there. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, and I think he'll only be better. I mean, last year was his first time as a full-time starter. If he progresses, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to take the over there. I think eight wins. I think eight All wins. Right. I like our, I love the razor pig. Woo pig. Woo pig. Su- suey. Woo <laughs> pig. Suey. Uh, fun side story. When I, on my days on ESPNU, we had a drop because, one of our other producers was from Arkansas and diehard uh, Razorbacks fan, but we had the cast of Sesame street on as guests. Um, and uh, one of the, uh, the new uh, Sesame street Muppets, the pink one with the blue hair, I forget her name, um, but they got her to say that. And so we clipped that. And uh, whenever we'd have the big red hog on, that's what we call Jimmy. Um, whenever we had Jimmy on, you know, to talk as the producer, we would drop the woo pig suit. Uh, a side story that no one but me cared about. Uh, all right, let's go to Mississippi State to talk about the next team here in uh, in the SEC West. Interesting stat for you here, Scotty. There has been three times that Miss uh, that while a head coach, Mike Leach, has had a quarterback who uh, has been with him for three years, or has you know at least three years. Guess how many wins they've had in each of those seasons? I'm going to say nine. Nine nine or more in every single one of those seasons Mm. when he had a three-year starter back. Uh, Bring back 17 of 22 starters. Um, This team was weird as any team 
with Mike Leach is weird. Uh, Will Rogers averaged 378 passing yards per game, uh, as well as 29.1 points per game. They bring back a lot of what they had before. Um, Jaquavius Marks and Dylan Johnson returning out of the backfield, which are far more, um, you know, receiving options than they are actually running the ball as this team, I I believe, uh, threw the ball something like 72% of the time, something absurd like that. That sounds Uh, like Mike Leach. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Um, The defense should actually be better. Amazingly enough, they were really bad last year. Uh, They gave up 27.3 points per game in SEC play, but they bring back eight starters. So they were a young team. Uh, They should definitely be better. They have great linebacker unit. um, And uh, Emmanuel Forbes at cornerback is most likely going to be an NFL, probably a day two draft pick next year, at least where he is um, projected now. They were 11th in SEC efficiency on defense. um, And uh, they also gave up 13 plays of 40 or more yards. So that is a problem, but they bring back both coordinators. Uh, They bring back a really good quarterback who performed really well. They have a great set of talent around them. And I'll tell you what, right now, I am pretty bullish here on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. I think Mississippi State could sneakily end up maybe finishing third or fourth here in the SEC. You're bullish on the Bulldogs, huh? Uh, I am bullish on the Bulldogs. (laughs) No, man. Hey, and so is Mike Leach, and he always is with his teams. The one concern I have with them uh, is is among their schedule uh, because they – well, I'll talk about that in a second. But is their receiving core? Um, they get uh, Caleb Duck- Ducking, who's a uh, a uh, JUCO transfer, uh, and they also bring in Jameer Calvin, who uh, is a graduate transfer, but played at Washington State under a Mike Leach offense. So that's uh, one of your saving graces. There's not a ton of depth, and they didn't show a ton of skill uh, last year at the at the wide receiver position. Well, for and they as had, much as they threw the ball. Yeah, they had a hundred yard you know, a hundred catch guy in Makai Polk, but you know, losing him, that definitely yep. hurts. Also losing two of their uh, start, both of their starting tackles, Charles Cross, who we saw go top 10 uh, in the NFL draft and Scott Lashley on the other side. So yeah, they, um, the offensive line is going to be the biggest question here, but they get the ball out fast too. Um, you know, what's funny. We were talking about this when we did the big 10 and how the big 10 West is so cyclical. Right. It's a Paul Christ year. Then it's Kirk Ferentz year. Right. And then it's uh, uh, either a Pat Fitzgerald or another coach that kind of snakes through. Mike Leach is the epitome of cyclical. Right. And since his Gardner Minshew year at Washington State, we haven't seen Mike Leach have a really big year. Um, and I think and it, that goes back to even when he was at Texas Tech, you know, whether it was Cliff Kingsbury and then to uh, Graham. Um, oh, what was his name? Uh, Graham Harrell, you know, and then he goes to, you know, Washington State and obviously he has the Gardner Minshew year. It just always seems like every four years or so, the stars align. He's got the right quarterback at the right time and the offense just becomes so high flying and then they get some weird wins and get some lucky breaks and it just ends up being a Mike Leach year. And I feel like we're due for a Mike Leach year this year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And if there's anyone who's as, good at making adjustments in in college football as a head coach mike leach is is up there uh at, at near the top of the list uh for 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 all the reasons you just cited everything he's done to to make make those adjustments at yeah. uh at texas tech and at uh 
at Washington State before this too. So it's always it's I'm always gonna... good when you're uh, when you're your you know your analysis of a team is you know I just got this feeling. It's yeah. really really strong, thoughtful, statistical analysis. You know, I just got this feeling. It is do? sometimes sometimes that's better than uh, the gamblers than ever. Fallacy, and, but and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what too. Mike Leach will be the first one in that uh, in that locker room to say that exact thing. He's got nothing to back it up. Uh, just hey, you know what, fellas, I got a feeling this year. Uh, that just seems like a Mike Leach uh, pregame speech. All right, what's before we do the win total? What is the weird thing that Mike Leach says or does that goes viral this year? Last year it was the candy. Remember the candy cane? You know, I, I don't like candy corn very much, but you know what's <laughs> what's the weird thing that Mike Leach? I feel like it's going to be like lawn care. He's going to go. It, someone's going to ask him about field conditions in a press conference, mm, and he's just going to be like talking. Up, he's going to be like, you know, now I was a kid. You know, I was out there mowing my lawn, and my my dad used to say, you know, you have to do it on a on a diagonal rhombus type formation, and I never really understood that. But not a bad Mike Leach there, by the way. I'm, I'm working on it. But what do you think? Yeah. What do you think? What's going to be the weird Mike Leach thing? Uh, I think we're going to have to wait till the end of the season uh, when he goes into some weird diatribe about eggs and all the uses of them after oh. they beat Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. Oh, that's a great call. That's a great <laughs> call. I love that. Um, also, I do want to take a look and just go through their schedule real quick. Forgot to do that here with these guys. Um, Eight right- straight before a bye. Yeah, and uh, start so there. Eight straight before the bye. Um, they're home against Memphis. They're going to try to redeem. Remember, they lost to Memphis last year in that weird fucking game. They yeah. missed two field goals, uh, chip shot field goals, and they, they are actually getting a veteran kicker back this year, which uh, their kicker was hurt last year, so they had a young kid in there. Uh, they're at Arizona, who can't be any worse than they were last year, so you imagine yeah. that Arizona is going to be a little bit better. And then it's at LSU, at Bowling Green, I would think opening up three and one for them before they're home against a and um, is a very realistic possibility for them. And we saw them beat A&M last year. Uh, that'll be a fun game uh, October 1st against A&M. But I think three and one to start. Uh, and what's their win total at? Is it six and a half? Six and a half. Six yep. and a half. So if they start three and, you know, three and uh, three and one or, or maybe even four and oh, if they pull off an upset at LSU, you know, they get Kentucky, which will be tough. Uh, they're at Alabama, which is tough. And then they do get the Georgia one, but they have ETSU at the end of the season. You got the egg bowl. I think seven wins is realistic. So, you know, fuck it. I'm going to take the over. I've, I've taken the over for pretty much everybody, except for I think A&M. So uh, I just, I don't know. I'm feeling a Mike Leach year. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm under, I don't know. It's just, it's too tough. I mean, they're at LSU, A&M, uh, at Kentucky, who I think is is a better team than most people think, at Alabama and their their East draw, uh, they get uh, Georgia and uh, Kentucky, which is as Kentucky, tough. So. As tough. But let's um, say they win. Let's say they beat Memphis, Arizona, Bowling Green, ETSU, and Mississippi, four. right? And they win the Egg Bowl, so that's five. Five. Auburn six. Auburn, um, I think could could be a win there. So let's they, say they let's say they win those six games. They would only have to beat, you know, pull off one upset against an LSU and a home against AM, home against Arkansas, all right. at, at Kentucky. You convince me. I think there's take, enough there for seven I'll take wins. The over. They had I'll seven take the wins over. last year. Yeah. So I think I but again, if, if they ended up being short of that, that wouldn't that wouldn't shock me either. All right. Let's do the other team in Mississippi, Ole Miss. 
Uh, they lost, I believe, 20 of their 22 starters this year, uh, which is brutal for a team that was really, really good. They won 10 games last year. They made it to the Sugar Bowl. Um, they had a really, really tough uh, bowl game. I forget who they played, but they got smoked. Um, but they also threw out backup quarterback because Matt Corral was hurt, even though he he wanted to play. Um, but yeah, they lose 20 starters from this team. However, and we talked about this, they brought in a ton of talent in the transfer portal. Lane Kiffin killed the transfer portal. And, you know, with the, the crown jewel of that being Jackson Dart, uh, they also brought in Zach Evans, who's a great running back from TCU. Uh, Jordan Watkins, a wide receiver from Louisville. Jalen Robinson from UCF, who's an absolute burner. And the kid, Michael Trigg, who former teammates, he's tight end of Jackson Dart. They actually have some pretty good weapons here. Michael Triggs is a beast. He's like 6'4", 250, great athlete, great hands. I think he's going to be a really, really good piece, which is something that we haven't seen a lot of Lane Kiffin offenses used, you know, honestly, since he was the coordinator at Alabama when they had O.J. Howard. Um, I think he's going to be really – I think the offense is going to be all right. The offensive line is going to struggle. Um, but they do have uh, three guys – they do – actually, I, they bring back three starters. Their two best offensive linemen graduated, but they do have three of their starting five. So at least they have some consistency there. Uh, the defense, however, who vastly overachieved from what we think of uh, from an Ole Miss team and a Lane Kiffin team, uh, they are going to be hurting. So – um, they also brought in some some pretty good, decent, you know, at least transfer guys there. Um, and look, they recruited really, really well, too. So uh, I don't know. They're, I think, the hardest team to figure out in the SEC, uh, at least in the SEC West. Yeah, I, I agree. And part of it is because they lost uh, both coordinators on on both sides of the ball. Their, their offensive coordinator, uh, Bill Bedreau, went to uh, Oklahoma, uh, where, where he will – thrive under uh, defensive-minded head coach and Brad Venables. Uh, and d- we touched on it earlier, but their defense coordinator, DJ Durkin, now at, uh, at Texas A&M. Is that right? Correct. And uh, and so, uh, look, continu- continuity is a huge, huge thing in college football, uh, and especially as volatile as uh, as their roster seemed to be this offseason. We talked about how they, they lost that many guys uh, and bring in a bunch of transfers. Uh, who haven't uh, had the time to play t- together or have the chemistry. Plus, not to mention, Lane Kiffin uh, is a bit uh, a bit loose uh, in his his head coaching style. Not necessarily uh, running the tight ship that uh, that a guy like Saban is, where he could afford losing a couple of coordinators in a year, come back the next year, and be in or win the national championship. So, um, that to me are are all a bunch of red flags. Uh, the the Benefit I see for them is that, w- w- especially with all the transfers, uh, their first four games are Troy, Central Arkansas, at Georgia Tech, and Tulsa. Well, and you want Patty, even more? Their first seven games. Uh, yeah, Kentucky. Then it's and home at against Vanderbilt Kentucky and, at Vanderbilt and, and, and home Auburn. against Auburn. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so I think that's a, a good enough. Uh, timetable to get some chemistry built uh, for for those transfers who are going to be coming in and starting from day one uh, in a lot of these cases. So um, uh, that that will be helpful. I love Jackson Dart. I'm not sure that he is going to be uh, the guy. Um, I know that uh, that Luke Altmaier uh, has been talked about as uh, 
as having a good look in camp uh, so far. So um, we'll see. Um, but uh, I, I just love that that <laughs> Jackson. What a name for a quarterback! Oh, it's, by the, the, way. it's the best <laughs> best name. We were we were just talking about how how amazing that <laughs> that name is. It's um, great. But I'll, I'll say this: they could start off seven and zero or six and one, and they could finish six and six or seven and five. Yeah. Yep. You know, and I, um, I do think Jackson Dart is going to be the guy. You brought him in for a reason. Uh, and I also think it's like the most perfect marriage of a coach and quarterback. Remember Jackson Dart with the one-sided eye black, um, kind of a loose cannon. I think that's a perfect marriage and ton of arm talent. I- I'm excited to see him hopefully get in there. But Uriah Altmaier has, has reportedly looked really good at camp so far. Um, they are very lucky with their first four games. Um, to kind of get into flow of things. What is their over under at right now? Is it six, six and a half, seven and a half, seven and a half. I, I don't think I'm going to say, I think I'm going to take the under with all this seven and a half is a, is a high number. You're taking the under. I'm going to take the under here. Yeah. So that's a high number. And yes, I know Troy Clark, um, Georgia tech, it's at Georgia Tech. I, that's a game, too. 3.30 on a Saturday in September. Some weird shit where, oh, my God, LSU's losing to Georgia Tech, and it's midway through the third quarter. Um, Kentucky, even though I, I think they'll probably regress a little bit, I still, you know, they bring back some good pieces. Um, and Will Levis, I think, will have a, a, a pretty easy time getting through that uh, Ole Miss secondary. Um, Vanderbilt should be a win, obviously. But, like, this is an element like Auburn could sneak in a win against Ole Miss. Uh, and then there's no way they're beating at LSU, at A&M, home against Alabama, or at Arkansas. That is just a gauntlet. Before, And then you get through all that, and then you're home in the Egg Bowl against Mississippi State to close out the year. That's a brutal, brutal second half of the, of the schedule. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the under. I have them losing the Egg Bowl, uh, but the the their, their toughest games in the division are on the road, too. Uh, doesn't matter. They're going to be Arkansas, lose the Egg Bowl. I'm taking the over. I think they're they're a nine-win team. Wow. Wow. It'll be interesting to, to see how that plays out. All right, last team of the West here, Auburn. Uh, there are, I, I said this about Ole Miss, but Auburn's also a really tough one to kind of figure out. A um, lot of off-season drama with Brian Harson, and, you know, we, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, just kind of like the overall mentality there with, and how difficult it is. It's kind of like the Texas of the SEC. Um, and they have a really weird quarterback battle. Um, Calzada transfers from AM to Auburn. We saw how much he struggled last year. Uh, they have a young redshirt freshman, Robbie Ashford, who we haven't seen yet. And then, you know, TJ Finley, who also, you know, was gutsy, right? That game against Auburn where he's playing on one foot and they still are against Alabama. He's playing on one foot. And he still damn near won that game uh, that went into overtime and, and made a couple of huge plays to get it into multiple overtimes. Uh, they also have a true freshman, Holden Griner, uh, who uh, will be at least in the conversation, though not likely. Um, the biggest thing going for them is they have the best running back in arguably the country in Tank Bigsby. Tank. Um, who's <laughs> just a stud. Uh, and they also He's a have, tank. Literally. Talk about good names for your position. <laughs> uh, the defense for them was really good. 21.8 points per game, 5.3 yards per play last fall. Um, but they uh, they lost some depth. Um, they have a new defensive coordinator, Jeff Schmetting. Um, 
but they have to replace one of their best cornerbacks, their best cornerback, um, and the Zacoby McLean, who was the center of their defense at linebacker. So um, they have one of the best defensive linemen in the SEC in Derek Hall. But that's about it, man. Like, I I don't – we said it before, the highest win total is six games for them, right? That's what the win total is. Um, I would take the under. I just think there's too much going on off the field. Uh, and I think Brian Harson's going to be in some trouble. Yeah, and for a team that that lost all that you cited, uh, I, I especially am not in favor of their schedule. I mean, early, their first four games uh, are relatively easy, save for the Saturday, September 17th game against the one and only Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, that game is at home. That's a benefit, but I don't think they're going to have figured out the chemistry and and – uh, how working uh, working things out with Brian Harson uh, will look like by then in week three. So uh, I- I'm with you. Uh, and then from there, it-, it gets tough. They got LSU at Georgia at Ole Miss, uh, a bye in Arkansas in a row uh, in the middle of that schedule. Uh, and then they end with, uh, with Alabama, of course, in the Iron Bowl. We all know anything can happen there, but... Uh, it's Alabama this year on a revenge tour. I wouldn't want to be, uh, I wouldn't want to go down to, uh, to Bryant Denny to play them in that iron bowl. But yeah, I mean, um, look, like Penn, Penn state's a toss up. Probably. I would probably have those a loss. Yeah. LSU is probably a loss at Georgia's a loss at Ole Miss could be a toss up. Uh, Arkansas, I think is a loss. Mississippi state toss up, probably a loss. Uh, A&M probably a loss. Uh, and then at Alabama, that's seven. Um, and it could be even more than that. Yeah, yes, yeah. they'll beat Mercer. Yes, they'll beat San Jose State. They'll probably beat Missouri. Um, they have a lot of home games this year, too. Uh, they only have four games on the road. I don't know how that happened, but um, only four road games here. Well, for, they're tough. For Auburn. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> um, and, yeah, I, uh, I, don't, I don't like what I see. I mean, at Ole Miss, that'll be a really interesting game. At Mississippi State, it's going to be a really interesting game. But, again, I, I think they lose probably those games. So, I'm looking at like a four and eight record here for Auburn. Um, yeah. I'm and under. there was a literal coup to get their head coach fired. Who they just hired. Who they just hired <laughs> uh, and was one year in. Um, and so much of it was because he almost got fired for state reasons because of the vaccination stuff, which is very, very dumb. Uh, are you taking the under for them as well? Yeah, I'm there. I, I think they could find a way to become a bowl team at, at six and six. But I, I think as crazy as the SEC West is, you know, we we measure those those games at the at the teams at the top like Alabama and and LSU and Ole Miss and and A and M and we're like, okay, those games we're gonna we're gonna favor them in a, in a toss up, right? Yeah. Uh, in in one of those weird games, Auburn, um, it's the other way for me. Uh, and so when you're you're adding all that up, I think it's it's gonna end up on the under. Agreed. All right, we are going to move to the <clears throat> SEC West or East rather. Uh, but before we do that, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Alliance Accounting. Tax season is just like football season. It never really stops. And if you think it's hot out now while we're waiting for football season to come back, imagine the hot water you'll be in if you miss the October filing extension. And the water's not just hot because college football is best in October. 
All right. Uh, and whether you're a small to mid-sized business or an individual playing one-on-one with your income taxes, the trusted team at Alliance Accounting is here with reliable accounting solutions to get you across the goal line without missing any deadlines. I use Alliance Accounting myself. They're phenomenal. They get a fantastic, they got a fantastic small team that is always available to help. And one of the things I love most about Alliance Accounting is the deep roster they provide, much like Alabama. For both individuals and businesses, Alliance will accurately file your federal and state taxes for you, saving you time and money. Two very important things, time and money. Who doesn't love that? They will review your return thoroughly to check for all available deductions and credits to make sure you score the maximum refund you deserve. And they'll help you plan for your team's future with their detailed and personal analysis of your taxes and provide you solutions tailored to your needs. And it doesn't stop there. Alliance Accounting's roster will help you get through overtime with their thorough and trusted bookkeeping and business finance services. So sit back, relax, enjoy the game, knowing that Alliance Accounting has got you covered for all your tax needs. Visit their website at allianceaccounting.com. That's alliance, A-C-T-T-N-G.com, or find them on Instagram at alliance underscore accounting. Once again, that is at allianceaccounting.com, A-C-T-T-N-G.com, or find them on their Instagram at alliance underscore accounting, alliance accounting, with you every step of the way. Quick break, come back when we return the SEC East. The SEC East, in similar fashion to the SEC West, um, and honestly for the whole conference, there's two teams at the top, one's in the East, one's in the West, and Georgia is the clear-cut top-tier team coming into the season. Um, Georgia is once again hey, going to... Hey, you defending national champions. You're defending national champions, right? I <laughs> I don't mean to insult them. I'm 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 Put so some sorry. respect on the name. <laughs> um, they now on the surface you think okay, but how can they be still held to that standard? Right? They're only returning ten, ten starters. They lost Trevon Walker, who was the number one pick in the draft. Jordan Davis, who was a first round pick. Nicobe Dean, who should have been a first round pick, but you know fell. Uh, Lewis Seen, who I believe was a first-round pick or early second-round pick. Um, look, they were ridiculously good on defense last year. An all-time defense. Held teams to 10.2 points per game and 4.2 yards per play. That's insane, right? And so I don't think when people say that the defense is still going to be really, really good, that they're going to be necessarily at the same level that they, uh, that they were last year, though the word on the street coming from people in Georgia is they think they'll actually be better this year, maybe not on defense. Um, it's also important to remember that arguably their best player on defense last year was Jalen Carter, um, who was an absolute monster alongside Jordan Davis. Uh, but this has been, you know, the payoff in recruiting that we were talking about with Kirby or that we're talking about with Jimbo um, and some of the guys, other teams in the SEC who have done really good recruiting, um, but, you know, it may not quite be their year yet for that to show. That's exactly, and same thing with, with LSU, that's exactly where Kirby Smart is right now. He's in the time where the recruiting, he has the depth where a lot of these guys are plug and play now. You know, some of these guys who are going to be starting for them, he recruited two years ago. So they're going to have 
ridiculous talent there along this defense. Um, they bring back two starting uh, linebackers as well, uh, Robert Beal and Nolan Smith. Uh, I actually think they might be better at the cornerback position. Uh, Keely Ringo is now the number one guy, uh, as well as another top recruit from a couple years ago who will be starting there. Um, the offense, however, is going to be an interesting case, right? They lost two of their starting running backs from last year. Uh, they bring back Stetson Bennett, which is nice, right? Because you know what Stetson can do, and we know he can win a national championship. Uh, but they lose that. They lose George Pickens. They lost Burton, wide receiver, to Alabama. Um, so you got Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh. But the thing that really could put this offense over the top, um, or at least maybe make them even better, is the tight end room. Uh, Brock Bowers, 13 touchdown catches last year, and I think that makes him a really, really uh, good weapon, right? Be A, because teams are going to be keying on him, but B, he's the perfect kind of weapon for Stetson Bennett on those intermediate roads, particularly on the goal line. They also have Eric Gilbert um, and uh, the the monster dude, Washington, whose first name is um, – uh, is, uh, is, is it Denzel? And honestly, I think it might be Denzel. Um, I think he might have been named after Denzel Washington. Either way, he's like a six foot seven monster. So they Darnell. have Darnell. Okay. Thank you. I was going to say, I think I accidentally said Denzel last year. And that's, that's where this, that's, that came from. Um, but you got three really good weapons at tight end. You have a couple of decent wide receivers. They'll have some decent running backs in there. Um, and they returned three starters on the offensive line. So um, not as good as the offensive line from this past year. Um, but still should be pretty good. So they'll be probably no questioned in that 11 and a half year or 11 to 12 wins again, and probably competing for the SEC championship by season's end. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's, it's a no brainer to me. Um, <clears throat> I do think uh, the offense, uh, I, this team's going to look a lot like it will last year. I'll say that the defense is going to mm -hmm. carry them uh, and the offense will, will be good enough uh, to to put them over the top, uh, that tight end room, like you said, is ridiculous. Uh, the wide receiver I'm looking for uh, to break out is Adnai Mitchell, uh, mm. who uh, was one of the only uh, he was the only freshman uh, or it, only other receiver really uh, who caught more than seven balls last year. Uh, I think uh, he's he's a returning starter that will be able to get more consistent. Uh, as the as the main guy playing the X, uh, and if Stetson can can give him the ball, um, then we'll see. But um, I I think I think this is going to look a lot like last year, and uh, with the with the defense uh, setting the table and the offense being good enough, plus their schedule, yeah, doesn't look favorable. really all that difficult. Yeah, no. very favorable, tough opener against Oregon. Uh, but, but even again, still in Atlanta and, and you and I talked about <laughs> so. this before we recorded today, you know, Bo Nix is now going to be the starting quarterback at Oregon and we've seen Bo Nix go up against Georgia's defense and, and Kirby smart. And we know uh, that typically doesn't bode well for the team that Bo Nix plays on. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a pretty easy schedule. Um, they got Auburn is their draw from the, uh, from the West and Mississippi state is their draw from the West. Uh, obviously their rivalry game at the end of the year is Georgia tech. Like it always is. They do have to go to Lexington, um, which, you know, depending on how good of a year, uh, you know, Kentucky has, that could be a tough game. I think Tennessee could be, you know, tricky, but no one, I don't, I don't think is going to really, 
um, challenge. There's no offensive line in on this schedule that I think we'll be able to hold up against Georgia's defensive front. So I think it, I, no. you, your point of it's going to look very similar to last year, I think is dead on. The offense is going to look the same, just with different names on the back of the jerseys, and the defense is going to look the same, but again with just no Jordan Davis in the middle. And and I don't want to discredit what Nicobe Dean for them did too. Um, I will say this: I think they will have a couple of closer games than they did last year. I don't think it's going to be the dominating by thirty or forty points every single game like they did last year. Um, yeah, you know there is no George Pickens, even though I know he missed most of the season last year. There's just. I think the offense will will be I honestly and I think too losing the running backs I think hurt it will hurt them but for all we know you know the guys that they have in now at the running back position um could end up being really really good for them so uh I'm assuming their line is also at 11 11 and a half 11 and a half um I don't see them losing um but they there is no push here so yeah, I, I'll take him to go 12 now. There's a part of me that wants to say they'll slip up once. There'll be one game, whether it's Florida or Tennessee, but they get Florida at home and Tennessee at home. Um, I don't if think it helps they... you pick the over, the over is plus, you can get it at plus 150. So for value, yeah, I, would, I, I mean, I would go. Value. Yeah, I would take the value. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I do think there's a good chance that they slip up once. I don't, I, it's, we forget how hard it is to go undefeated, right? It's so easy yeah, for us it, to sit yeah. here and be like, Georgia's just, Alabama, you know, like Alabama lost to AM last year and Damner lost to Auburn too, you know, like, um, and Sets and Bennett's good, but if they get, if, let's say Hendon Hooker just has some monster game, you know, in week nine or week 10 in, in November against them, you know, that, that could be a, a game where all of a sudden you need Stetson Bennett to throw the ball. And we saw that in the SEC yeah. championship game, right? Like when they needed him to throw and to get them back into games, they can't necessarily do that. And as good as the defense will be, it's not going to be the same defense. It was a year ago. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think so I'm going to change. Could actually, be a place. I'm going to take the under, I'm going to say that they drop going a game under. at some point this year. At, at some point they'll drop a game this year. Uh, under interesting. Now I, I look, I mean, it's eleven it, and one. I'm saying, but you they've know. got they've got three upstart teams uh, in their division, two of which are on the road. Plus, you get you have Florida, of course, which is a game I've always wanted to go to in Jacksonville, the world's Florida, largest Georgia cocktail line. party. Um, um, but those three upstart teams, South Carolina, Kentucky, and uh, and Tennessee, I think can pose a bit of a problem. Like I said, two of those games are on the road, uh, and and two of those games are in uh, in uh, November. Uh, which, as we all know, uh, is uh, is nut crunching time when it comes to uh, to college football. So there could be. State, uh, I don't. Kentucky. I don't think so, though. Yeah. I think the three hardest games on their schedule after the the Oregon game are home against Tennessee at Mississippi State and at Kentucky. I think you're right, and they both they all come after uh, November, so or in November, I should say. Uh, are you going to take the over? Um. Yeah, I'm on the over. You're on the overs. I, I, okay. There's not well, enough. All right. Money. <laughs> there we go. I mean. I think that makes sense, but you know, we'll, we'll see. All right. Um, now this, this, the rest of this division is weird. Um, I'm going to tell you the team that I think will finish second and you can tell me if I'm crazy or if I'm wrong. Um, and I kind of tip my cat to this a little bit earlier, but I like Tennessee. I like Rocky top. I like Josh Heupel. I think they have the second best quarterback. Um, Hendon hooker led, uh, the sec last year in, 
40 plus yard plays more than Matt Corral. Um, I think there's a lot of similarities to Matt Corral and Hendon Hooker. Um, I actually think he's a better um, runner as even despite how much we saw uh, Matt Corral run the ball last year. Uh, Cedric Tillman, one of the best wide receivers, I think in the SEC as well. Um, they have four starters back on the offensive line um, and they had a bad year last year, but they were all really young underclassmen. This is year number two for Josh Heupel, who I think is a really, really good coach. I mean, they averaged 39.3 points per game. They averaged 40 points a game, uh, which in from the year before when it was still uh, McDonald's bag. What, what was his name? The head, the coach who was there, who was giving out cash from McDonald's bags. Um, God, it's driving me nuts. It'll, Lane it'll, Kiffin. <laughs> um, it'll, it'll drive me nuts. He ended up getting, I think, investigated or something from the NCAA, uh, which is why I got fired. But the year before Heupel started there, it was 21.5 points per, uh, per game. Year one, they jumped to 39.3. So they're going to be able to score points. Um, I think there's a really good chance they end up kind of being like the Ole Miss of 2022, like what Ole Miss was yeah. last year. I think there's a chance they can do that. Um, they bring back a lot of the guys from their defense. Um, I don't know. I just I'm I'm bullish here, um, and, and I don't think they have enough to 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 push uh, Georgia. I think they'll lose a game here and there, but I think they'll be really good. And a lot of people, because Scott Frost was so good at UCF when Josh Heupel took over, a lot of people were like, "Oh, he just has Scott Frost's team," um, you know, which has been said about many coaches in many sports for a long time. But I think Josh Heupel is a damn good coach and a really good play caller. Um, their, their overall record now, look, because of the rivalry, they get Alabama, right? So they're playing Georgia and they're playing Alabama in the regular season. But they're at Pitt, which who knows what's going to happen with Pitt without Kenny Pickett there. Um, and then they have to go to LSU. But I think that's a somewhat winnable game for them. So I think nine wins – if they lose to LSU, Alabama, and Georgia, I think they should win every other game on their on their um, schedule. Uh, they should, but they won't. Uh, Hendon Hooker is really good, but uh, the defenses that they're going to be playing are even better, uh, including uh, both Kentucky and uh, obviously Georgia and South Carolina as well. So uh, we talk, I just mentioned that I think there are three upstart teams in this division, uh, Tennessee, South Carolina, and, uh, and Kentucky. I, I think Tennessee's in the middle of that pack. Um, Interesting. I've got their their over under at uh, at seven and a half. Oh, I'm de- I'm definitely taking the over. You're hammering think, the I over. Think, I think they're at least eight. I mean, ball ball states a win. One, two. Akron's a win. UTM's a win. Mizzou's a win. Vanderbilt's a win. That gets you to five, and then that would mean that all they would have to at least get two wins from either Pitt. Florida, LSU, Kentucky, or South Carolina. And I think they should win at least three of those games. So I don't know. I mean, and that's not, and I didn't include Alabama or Georgia in that because I think those are two definite losses, but they can beat Pitt. They can beat Florida. They can beat Kentucky. They can beat South Carolina. It, and they, and they definitely they could, could beat Vanderbilt. Yeah. The one to me is South Carolina. Or Kentucky, if they can win one or both of those games, I think that's the swing. Uh, they I think they'll need. probably split those, but I also think they'll I think, beat Pitt. I think LSU, Bama, and Georgia are three locks for losses. 
But that um, also feels like a classic LSU loss too, right? LSU, LSU is yeah. like four and zero, and then they at get home. Tennessee at home, <laughs> and all of a sudden Hendon Hooker has this monster game, first week yeah. of October, right around the time when shit gets crazy in college football. I like that. Over, screw it. I had him under, but you you convinced me on that. And let's say too, <laughs> such say, an LSU game in right? October, <laughs> and like let's say LSU and Tennessee are both four and zero, and they're both ranked in the top twenty five. Yeah. At that point, too, like that game could be a night game in Death Valley. And it would just see, especially with the question marks of quarterback, like, I don't know, I'm betting on the best quarterback. And and I think in, in nine in every game, but one, maybe two, but every game, but one for sure on this on their schedule. I think Tennessee is the best quarterback, even better than Lewis or Spencer Rattler. Of all the uh, the the good quarterbacks that we've talked about, especially in the West, uh, Dark Horse Heisman, Hendon Hooker. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, they would have to. They would have to be like ten and two or eleven and one. I could see him maybe. Well, then getting we a, win. Maybe getting an invite. No, yeah. I'm saying for the Heisman. Yeah, I could see him at least getting an invite. Um, all right. Well, let's move on here. Let's talk about uh the team that finished second last year, coming off a ten win season, the Kentucky. Wildcats. Uh, Mark Stoops has really built a really, really nice program. Uh, nine plus wins in two out of the last three seasons. And one of those seasons was the COVID year. So couldn't even get to nine wins, even if you wanted to. Um, they also go out and hire one of your guys from the San Francisco 49ers, Rich Scandarello. Uh, And so I think this offense is actually going to look a little bit different next year. Um, they jump up from, which is funny because last year they, they ended up improving their points per game by like 11 points per game. They went from 21 to 32. Um, mm-hmm. And a but, lot of that was their quarterback. <laughs> and that's a big thing. Bringing back Will Levis, who uh, Mel, I believe it was Mel Kuyper's num- projected number one overall pick next year. Oh, I was so upset when I saw that. <laughs> I, I was so upset at, at Penn State football and James Franklin. Yeah, well, I and I think I think that's an absurd. I think it's an absurd thing for Mel to have no, said. No, it's got to um, be Bryce Young. Like. Yeah, or or CJ Stroud. Um, there's multiple people who I think will end up going there before him. Um, but who knows? He could he could definitely be like a Mac Mac Jones, right? Like drafted mid first round if he has a good year. He's got the um, arm talent. But the biggest thing for this offense is they lose uh, Wandale Robinson, who was the do everything guy for this team, wide receiver, running back hopped around the field. Um, the one thing we know from a Mark Stoops team is they're going to be really good defensively. Uh, they bring they do bring back Chris Rodriguez too, by the way, the running back, but he is currently might be suspended. Um, I, I don't know exactly what it was for. I think it might it might have been NIL related. Um, I read the story on that a, a, a few weeks ago and I, I never quite followed up. But um, either way, you know that the defense is going to be really good. They have arguably the best linebacker unit, not named Alabama or Georgia in uh, the SEC. Um, the secondary and the defensive line, both lost in pieces, but Mark Stoops has done a really good job recruiting, has done well in the transfer portal. So I think they have a really realistic shot at, at back-to-back nine or 10 win seasons here, which um, for Kentucky, and, and if you had said that to Kentucky, you know, how many, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, that oh yeah by the way you might in three or four years you might have nine wins in three or three or four years and one of those years uh, a pandemic hit uh, I don't think anybody would have believed you 
The other thing here too is they have a pretty nice schedule. Um, Miami of Ohio, well, week one. <laughs> then they're at Florida week two. Um, Youngstown State, uh, uh, Northern Iowa, and then Louisville. Like those are their out of conference games. Miami of Ohio, Youngstown State, Northern Iowa, and Louisville. Um, so I think that's four wins right there. And then it's yeah, you got to win at Florida, you got to win at Ole Miss. Those are both tough. Uh, and then who? And then Mississippi State at home. Uh, it's, I mean, look, Ole Miss and Mississippi State as your two cross divisional rivals, um, both very winnable for this Kentucky team. So I think nine nine wins is probably a good number for them. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I, look, I, there's no doubt that that Will Levis's talent on offense, uh, I miss him dearly uh, at Penn State, but I'm glad he's doing great things down in uh, in Lexington at a, at a basketball school. Uh, but look, this is we're seeing the culmination over the last uh, year or two of uh, of ironically when they beat Penn State in the in the Citrus Bowl with uh, with the likes of Benny Snell and uh, and guys like that a couple of years ago in in 2019, I believe that was um, that was the uh, the the beginning of it. Um, but we've not really seen apart from guys that have flashed in the transfer portal like Levis, uh, we've not really seen any fruits of of that success. Uh, come to fruition it started a little bit last year i think it can grow uh i nine seems extreme uh the line i have is eight and a half i'm gonna go under i love this kentucky That's team i so do surprising I think, to me i i i, I think, think they're Florida's a great team. gonna be better i think the, look their road schedule is is brutal uh if you think as highly as I do, at least about Ole Miss. Um, I think Florida's a, a much improved team uh, from last first, year. First year head coach. Yeah, but they and lost they, a lot in the transfer portal. Kentucky has to play at Tennessee, and then they get Georgia in November, uh, which is not where you want to be uh, on that schedule with Georgia. But yeah, okay. Um, Would you agree though that the the four out of conference games should all be wins? Oh yeah. Yeah, right, absolutely. So, that, so if that's four, and then you say Vanderbilt and Missouri are both wins, that's that gets you to six. Six. Yeah. And so then they all they're... all they would have to do would be win three of Florida, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Tennessee. They'd have to win three of those games. Because I I don't think I, they're I think I think they're an eight win team. I do. Yeah, I mean that's why the lines are eight and a half. I mean eight to nine wins is is right where they should be. Um, but I trust Mark Stoops, man. I, to me, it's it's Georgia in the top tier, and then it's Tennessee and Kentucky in the middle tier, and then it, it drops off a little bit before you get to the next round of guys. And Florida might be good for, for the record, but I would put money on Kentucky being the favorite in that game, even on the road. Which, even still, that's yeah, another I, one that's neutral site, right? Uh, no. No, oh no, sorry. I'm thinking I'm thinking yeah. Georgia and Florida. Sorry. Um, yeah. yeah, that's at that's at Gainesville. Yeah. And second game, I mean, Billy Napier, I think, is gonna do a good job there, but he's got some work to do. Um, that's not a school well, and, and you know what? Let's, just, too. <laughs> let's just start talking about Florida then, too, because Florida is not like LSU, where LSU is moving on from Ed Ogeron, but they still had all this talent. And the issue was, you know, was less about the talent and more about um, you know, the, the culture and coaching staff. 
at Florida, it was the culture and the lack of talent. Dan Mullen did an, an atrocious job of recruiting at Florida, especially given the pull and the ability to recruit at that school. Um, Florida has a tough week one game home against Utah and then home against Kentucky the next week. That's a tough one you know, way to start off the season. Um, I like Anthony Richards. Is it Anthony Richardson? AR, they call him AR-15, yeah. which is – uh, yep. does it's not it's not the best nickname, but you know, hey, we we called Cardell Jones, you know, twelve gauge. So who's to say? Um, but that's a really tough one-two punch to start off the year uh, for a first-time head coach that has a depleted roster compared to where Florida should be recruiting-wise. And then it's home against Florida, uh, South Florida, and then it's at Tennessee. I mean, very realistically, Florida could start off the year one and three. Yeah. Two and two more likely, but yeah, one and three is not a, out of the realm of possibility. I don't, um, I don't know if, if it's if more Tennessee's likely. got it rolling by then. Yeah. I mean, Tennessee could be really good. Plus it's at Rocky top and Utah. I mean, I know you, I mean, Utah made a big push and I know they lost Devin Lloyd, but they're returning and we'll talk pack 12 here in, in a couple of weeks, but they're returning a lot of pieces on that defense. Um, pack eight. Yeah. The pack eight. No. Um, back 10 and I Kentucky, I think Sorry. Kentucky, I think Kentucky's good. Like I, I feel like that I'm convincing myself more and more that Kentucky's going to win that game. Um, and then they got Eastern Washington, Missouri two relatively, you know, should be winnable games home against LSU, probably a loss at Georgia, which is a neutral site. They'll lose that game, uh, at Texas A&M, they'll probably lose that game. And then South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Florida state, the close out. Vanderbilt's going to be a win, but South Carolina is not a guaranteed win. They lost that game to South Carolina last year. Uh, and then at Florida State, if Mike Norvell finally kind of puts together the team that he's been trying to, that could be a really tough game. And, and those rivalry games, weird shit happens all the time. So um, I don't know, man. I just don't see a, what's the over under for them. Uh, they're at seven. Seven. Yeah, I'm definitely taking uh, the under. I mean, look, they they brought in, um, they they have a good group of running backs still. Um, That's they also, that to they me. also brought uh, the left tackle uh, Osiris Torrance from Louisiana. He went left with um, Billy Napier. Um, not a lot of talent on the outside. Um, if they get to seven wins, it'll be because Anthony Richardson ends up being the guy that you know everyone really thought he could be with his size and Cam Newton, like, you know, athleticism. Um, but they lost their two best defensive players in the, uh, to the draft last year. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think it's going to be tough. I think seven wins is a lot. I'm taking, I'm definitely going to take the under. I'm, I'm honestly, I wouldn't touch this bet, uh, you know, on a card at all. Because I think it's it's probably a push. I think they're a seven win team, uh, but for the purposes of the show and for uh, for uh, you can take the push if you for want. my sanity. No, I'm going to take the over. I, I think I think uh, Anthony Richardson is that good. Uh, I think even though he he had two easy games where he was over eight point three uh, yards per pass and seven point nine per rush, those were two really easy games to start last year, and then he dropped off to to six four per pass and three two per rush. Um, I think this is a, a step year for him, especially uh, in Billy Napier's offense. So, um, but Billy I'm Napier's really like, he's a he's a culture guy, and cult, building that culture is not gonna it's not you're not gonna do it in one off season. 
And but and I, I think love, that combined with Billy the... Napier, like I think in the like next year and in, in the years to come, I think Florida's in great hands. But it usually takes a year. I mean, I see four comfortable wins on their on their roster or on their schedule right now: South Florida, Eastern Washington, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. And then after that, they'd have to win to get over the seven wins, right? that they would need another four wins. So are they beating four out of these teams? Utah, Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU, Georgia, A&M, or South Carolina, or Florida State. Are they winning half of those games in order to get to eight wins? I think so. I think they could. Who do they? I mean, and they, they, they that could, running back but, room is going gonna, is gonna to do it, too. That, that's true. Marshall they do have Johnson a good running back, yeah. Out of Louisiana is unbelievable, and they're and deep. He's, he their came, fourth he guy came over with Billy Napier too, but yep, their fourth guy on their depth chart in that running back room, Trevor Etienne, brother of Travis Etienne. Yeah, so they've got a, a, a good a good group of backs who can who are great runners and uh, and. But think about the run like defense. Utah and Utah, Kentucky, Georgia, and A and M are all four really really good run defenses. LSU should be better at run defense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Florida State is, I think, a winnable game. I think Tennessee is a potentially winnable game, though I, I do think Tennessee at home should be the favorite in that game because the secondary without Kyrie Elam is going to be able to get attacked a little bit here by, you know, by Hendon Hooker. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be, you know, a, a five to six win season. I, six and six. I, I, I'm in on six and six. You got him in a bowl game. Um, yeah, I, I think six and six would be a really, really good year considering everything that they're they're turning over um, for for Florida. And again, I love Billy Napier. I think that was a great hire. It was a smart hire. And but he's he's a culture guy. He's a little bit like that Mark Stoops kind of guy where it's going to take a couple of years before he gets all of his guys and his the way he wants to run that program. I mean, he did the same thing at Louisiana, and then Louisiana became a perennial powerhouse in the Group of Five. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see. All right. And, um, and, and I think he'll take him there too. In his we have, first year. Yeah. We have one more interesting team here to talk about. The uh, Cox. Before, uh, yeah, before the last two teams, which uh, we will we will definitely go quicker through. Uh, South Carolina. Um, obviously, they had the huge transfer addition of Spencer Rattler. Um, this team absolutely exceeded all expectations in the first year with Shane Beamer get to a bowl game, beat North Carolina in the Mayo Bowl. We saw uh, a Mayo bath for one Shane Beamer. Um, I really like Shane Beamer. I think he's a fantastic head coach. Uh, and and the, at his age, to have already started off and changed that much. Like, I think we could see a similar season for Billy Napier, like we saw for Shane Beamer last year. Um, but I think this team's going to get ready to, to take another step. The one thing that South Carolina could not do last year was push the ball downfield. That's one thing. And while Spencer Rattler has had a ton of problems um, and, and was not what we all anticipated he would be at Oklahoma, especially given the ridiculous expectations, he is a massive jump forward when you talk about explosive ability um, and just by talent alone compared to what they've had there uh, in the past. I don't think they're going to – I think the offense is going to be better suited for him. And they also added two – wide receivers, Corey Rucker from Arkansas State, and a guy that I know very well in Antoine Wells. He goes by Juice now for some reason, who played at JMU last year, who in one season at JMU shattered the single-season touchdown record. 
uh, was catching like two touchdown passes a game, was absolutely a power five talent. And I don't know how he ended up at JMU last year uh, or for the last two years, but um, he is really, really good. And he's going to add some serious explosive abilities. He's an absolute burner. Um, and I think he and Spencer Rattler is going to be a really, really fun uh, combination. There is some concern along the offensive line, um, but they have all five starters back um, who were just young last year um, and, and a team that had low expectations who outplayed themselves. And I expect them to be better um, defensively. Look, they have a couple of good pass rushers um, and they also have a decent cornerback uh, and, and they were actually pretty good in pass defense last year. They finished fourth in the sec in pass efficiency on defense um, even though they did lose uh, the all SEC safety Jalen Foster, but there are some guys there. Um, this is an interesting team, and I think people are sleeping on them. I think you can still get them for a pretty good number here for their win total, uh, and I think they're going to take a step forward. I think seven regular season wins uh, is a good number. Where is the line at? Is it six and a half? Lines at six. <clears throat> Lines at six. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. I would, I would, I would take the over. I'm I'm there with you, man. I, I think Spencer Rattler just by himself is good enough to to push them on the, to the over. Uh, but you know, then you look at the 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 rest of this defense, and I know it wasn't great last year, but Shane Beamer's a defensive guy, uh, much like his father, who had one of the one of the greater runs in college uh, football team defense that I've ever seen. Uh, and they bring back almost every. There's nobody on this on the this depth chart and the ones on defense that is not an upperclassman and they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seniors, uh, seven seniors and a grad, two graduate transfers. Uh, so that to me, that experience enough, uh, particularly in this division will be enough to keep you in games. And like I said, I think Spencer Rattler is good for, uh, one or two of those wins to put him on the over. Uh, yeah. and you look at the schedule, it's a game like Arkansas, uh, that that it can happen. A game like Kentucky, a game like AM even, uh, or Florida. Um, and Shane Beamer is uh, in his young career in need of a signature win or two. And I think this schedule is enough to provide it for him. I am taking yeah. the over on the Gamecocks. Yeah, and I'm with you. I see five comfortable wins. Georgia State, which for the record, Georgia State's a very good program. And I wouldn't say that's a guarantee of a win, but I, I would say they'll be heavy favorites going into that game. and They should win. Um, Charlotte should be a win. South Carolina state should be a win. Um, I'd say will be wins, uh, Vanderbilt and Mizzou both should be wins. Um, so you're looking at least five wins there. And then where do they get those other two wins? Now, the unfortunate thing for them is they do have the rivalry game. They play every year. And this year it's at Clemson who I expect to have a bounce back. And again, we'll talk ACC here in the next, uh, in the coming week or so. Um, but then it's, yeah, it's at Florida could be a win. Um, at Kentucky could be a win, though I, I wouldn't love it. Uh, I, I would lean Kentucky. Um, home against AM wouldn't be, I'd be surprised if they win that, but it wouldn't be like dumbfounded. Arkansas would be surprised. I mean, that's a tough draw from the West getting Arkansas and AM this year. Um, but I think they can pull off. I mean, home against Tennessee is another one, even though I'm high on Tennessee. That, that middle tier group of, I mean, like I'm almost more bullish on the Gamecocks than I am on Florida. And in fact, I am, I think South Carolina will finish higher than Florida. Um, and so you look at that group of Kentucky, Tennessee, and then there's a, a drop off between this next tier. 
That doesn't mean that they won't upset them. That doesn't mean that South Carolina won't jump in and and pull off an upset there for those guys in those teams either. So um, I like I like seven wins comfortably in the regular season. I think seven and five, another bowl game. Um, and if they got to eight, I also wouldn't be super shocked either because I think if, if Shane Beamer and this transition, everything is the kick in the ass that Spencer Rattler needs um, to get most of the talent out of him. And so far, everything I've heard out of South Carolina is that he he's a different he's different than how he was advertised at least um and humbled and a little maybe i think he was a little humbled i think it's a good way of putting it um and the arm talent's there so we didn't get to see if this team could stretch the field last year because they had a graduate you know assistant as their starting quarterback for most of the season um but i think if you have a spencer rattler there who all of a sudden you got some real talent there and you can keep some of the running back group and the offensive line should be better returning all five starters I'm 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 kind of bullish on the Gamecocks. I think we both are. So we're both going to take uh, the over there. All right, let's finish up here with the last two teams in the SEC East, uh, Missouri. Um, I like Eli Drinkwitz, and you know it, it's funny because we definitely lump Missouri and Vanderbilt together. But make no mistake, Missouri is a much better program um, and in a much better part here than Vanderbilt is. Uh, I think Missouri, they win uh, three out of their last five games in the SEC. I think they beat, was it Mississippi State? Or, or they beat someone down the stretch last year out of the East. That was surprising. Um, but they got kind of um, stripped for parts a little bit there in the transfer portal. Uh, they also, their quarter, the starting quarterback last year, who um, uh, his name is, is escaping me, uh, is no longer going to be there. They also lost Tyler Batty, who was – arguably, you know, their best player last year. Um, it's going to be interesting. Um, I I don't have very high expectations for Missouri, but I do like Eli Drinkwitz. Um, but losing Tyler Batty hurts. So uh, the defense is still going to be a major problem, and I don't think it's going to be any better than it was. Uh, and I don't know if I see the offense getting much better either. So uh, is there any glimmer of hope here that Missouri might end up winning a few more games here than we're giving them credit for. I think they won five last year. So, yeah. And I think that's about where they'll end up this year. Look, I love Eli Drinkwitz too. He's, he's, he's a great coach. Uh, and I think he's going to get out enough out of his running backs. He's got Nathaniel P who transferred over from Stanford. Uh, that'll be leading that core. Uh, Elijah Young coming back as well. Uh, and so I think they'll get enough out of, out of that position alone uh, to be able to, uh, to keep them in some of the some of the games that uh, that are going to be a little tougher. I like I think about the week two Kansas State. I don't think that game is going to be as tough uh, as most people uh, might think, just because the old Big Twelve matchup. How about that? Uh, just because uh, because of of uh, Drinkwitz and uh, and the the running back room that uh, that he's got. So uh, those two things to me combined are, are, are going to add up to uh, be the difference in some of these games that are that are going to be a little tighter. Uh, but I do think they're still around a five-win-ish team. Yeah, I mean, if there's any hope, by the way, I do want to say Tyler Batty did get drafted. He did not transfer. I don't know if I said one or the other, but yeah, Tyler Batty now with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Brady Cook was just named the starter two days ago. Uh, he took over for Connor Bazelak, who was the quarterback whose name I couldn't remember, who is now at Indiana. Um, he played well uh, in, in a couple of uh, – Appeared in five games, but only uh, started two of them down this stretch. 47 to 59 for 350 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. 
also ran for 134 yards and a touchdown in those two starts. Um, who knows? Maybe Brady Cook is the next, you know, like Sam Hartman type quarterback who ends up surprising us. Um, but I'm not uh, I, I'm just I'm not super bullish on them as a whole, uh, unfortunately, for Tiger fans. And we will. Uh, well, sorry, what's the win total for them? The, the over under win total is at five. I, I'm calling that a push. I'm t- I'm taking the under. I'm t- I'm I'm going to take the under here. I'm, I'm going to take up, the under. I'm trying to pull up their uh, their schedule here. Um, I just yeah. It starts with Louisiana Tech, Kansas State, Abilene Christian. Those three should be wins, I would think. Then know, Auburn, Kansas Georgia, State, Florida, back to back. I think Kansas State's actually going to be a, a pretty decent team this year. Um, here I have their. I'm pulling it up now. Internet was so. Uh, Louisiana Tech never a pushover. Um, but should be a win. Uh, Kansas State at Kansas State. Kansas State's a sneaky team in the Big 12, and we'll talk about them um, coming up soon too. That's not a great draw. They get Georgia and Arkansas from the Big Ten or from the SEC West, which uh, Auburn. It's at Auburn. That's going to be a tough, tough win. But if Auburn's not as good or is struggling, um, like I said, I think that's Auburn. But then it's home against Georgia. You're at Florida. Vanderbilt is probably going to be a win for them. Kentucky, South Carolina, New Mexico State, and then they wrap up at Arkansas. I, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't see more than four wins. I mean, if they do, they could beat Kansas State. I don't think they will. But Louisiana Tech, Kansas State, maybe Albany, uh, Albany Christian, which is for an FCS team, not one to be slept on. Um, Auburn, maybe, but not likely. Uh, New Mexico State should be a win. So. Um, I guess five wins is in the realm of possibility. You know, if they take care of all their out-of-conference games and then pull off an Auburn or, or you know, because if they win all of their regular season or uh, out-of-conference games, that's Louisiana Tech, Kansas State, Albany Christian, and New Mexico State. And then it's, all right, can they beat Vanderbilt? Can they beat somebody else? But I don't think they beat Kansas State, so I think they probably finish at four wins. I'll take the under at five. Push. And hopefully not the end of the Eli Drinkwitz era. Cause I do like Eli Drinkwitz, but probably. Um, all right. And let's wrap up here with, Oh man, I just, I feel so bad for Vanderbilt, man. It's gotta be so, I are the there baseball fans? school. <laughs> they are. Are there Vanderbilt football fans out there? I just, it's such a good school academically. I just feel like it's some of the, they just don't, they just don't care. I mean, they finished last against the run on defense last in past efficiency. Uh, Gave up 6.8 yards per play and 35.6 points per game. That's just fucking brutal, man. Wow. It's so it's such a tough, tough road um, for Vanderbilt. They also have uh, – they get Hawaii in week zero. So Hey, there you go. They got, <laughs> There's a at win. Least, <laughs> at least they get a fun vacation. Um, they have Elon who – look, I mean, JMU played Elon every year. They're no pushover. Um, they get Wake Forest, so the battle of the two bad – actually, no, Wake Forest is good now too. Though Sam Hartman is out uh, indefinitely currently, yeah. um, which we will get to when we talk about the ACC, which definitely changes their season. Northern Iowa, they were a darling of the group of five last year, uh, and then just a gauntlet down the stretch. Alabama, Ole Miss, Georgia – you do get Mizzou, uh, South Carolina, Northern Kentucky, Illinois. Sorry, Northern Illinois, not Northern Iowa. Not UNI. It's NIU, not UNI. Um yeah, and just a really tough final stretch. Uh, Hawaii, I don't know, man. Going at, going all the way to Hawaii, 
Hawaii could fuck around and win that game. Like, I don't know. I haven't done my Hawaii homework yet, but I don't I know. Be Hawaii is one of the bottom teams in the, in the country. You never know, man. That 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 you know, sleep deprived, right? It's your your body's on a weird clock. You're playing at 1030, which I guess isn't too bad. A 1030 start uh Eastern time. Um, yeah, that's early. Elon for a should, Hawaii game. <laughs> Elon should be a win. Wake Forest, who knows what happens with Sam Hartman. Um, and Northern Illinois at Northern Illinois. Yeah. I'm just that's saying. The, that's I'm the swing saying. game to me. Yeah. What's the win total at for Vanderbilt? Two and a half. <sighs> and you know what? Screw it. I'm going over. They take down the Salukis. Oh. Fuck it. I'm with you. Andy needs one. They need yeah. it. You know what? <laughs> with, if no one else will love Vanderbilt, this podcast well, at least show Vanderbilt a little bit of love. We think you can win three games and beat two group of five teams and an FCS team. There you go. And you're a power go five doors. <laughs> and you play in the SEC, but you can win three games against two bad. Well, NIU is good, but at least one bad group of five team, an FCS team, and a group of five team. Who knows? Here maybe come may, the Commodores. Maybe maybe <laughs> something happened. Maybe Wake Forest has a big turn. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right. Anything else you want to add here before we go? Who's who? Who do you think the best non-Alabama or Georgia player is in the SEC? Ah, oh, man, I think it's Hendon Hooker. I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, him or Spencer Rattler? Because uh, I think Spencer Rattler, for for all we've heard coming out of camp, is, is he's he's going to have a, a really big year uh, in a really big spot. So. Um, That'll be a fun game to watch. South Carolina, Tennessee, uh, which uh, I forget when that game is. It is uh, late in the year, November 19th, the week before Thanksgiving. So uh, that'll be a fun game to watch. Hopefully by the time that we get there, nobody is uh, completely out of it and uh, that we're correct in all of our uh, in all of our guessing here. So. Yeah, we're 100 percent right. We're going to go, you know, 12 and 0 or 14 and 0 with our with our picks here. Um, I. I will say I'm, I'm with you for quarterbacks, but for non-quarterbacks at least, Tank Bigsby, I think is the best non-quarterback, uh, non-Alabama or Georgia player. I will also say B.J. Ojolari, the defensive end for LSU, will have serious, serious buzz about him and will be considered one of the best uh, yeah. players here. Um, on defense, too, I got uh, on, on defense, uh, if we're if I'm going to do a, a second pick, Jalen Carter. Mm. Uh I think is going to be a, a monster year uh, for him, and and he'll be uh, in the draft next year, looking like guys like uh, like Jordan Davis and. Uh, and However, I did say no team. Georgia or Alabama players, but I do agree. I do agree. He is, oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> he is in that uh, in that conversation. All right. Well, we will see. I think we're both in agreement. Alabama, Georgia, and the SEC championship. Who wins? Alabama. I do too. And there's one. There's there's a very small thing that happened that was kind of went viral at the time, but after Alabama lost to Georgia in the press conference with Nick Saban, Will Anderson, and Bryce Young up on stage, and those two kids get dismissed, and the pain on their feel, uh, the pain on their face that you could just see how how much they were hurting, um, and Nick Saban before they left stopped everybody and talked about how amazing those two kids were and what they meant to the team and everything else. I think the two of them are on a mission. I think the two of them has, have a chip on their shoulder uh, and that's a dangerous place 
to be for the rest of college football when the returning Heisman player and the best player in the country and Will Anderson both have a chip on their shoulder heading into a, a year that they just almost won the national championship. So uh, I'm with oh. you. And I think, uh, <laughs> and who knows, maybe if Georgia does drop a game and then Alabama beats them in the SEC championship game, maybe Georgia doesn't make the playoff. Who knows? Be fun to see. All right, that's yeah. all we got. Everyone have a wonderful weekend. Thank you to Scotty. Uh, once again, go check out our friends at Alliance Accounting. Uh, thanks to them for being a, our first sponsor of the show. We kind of threw that in there without really ever explaining it, but uh, big shout out to them uh, as they are now a part of the Read Option family. So thank you to those guys for, for being a great sponsor. We love them. And have a great weekend, everybody. Last The dog days of summer are, are about to wrap up. And... Uh, Next thing you know, man, we'll be sitting there on Saturdays, drinking beer, getting ready to eat some barbecue and sit on the couch and watch football. So for Scotty, Vito was busy today. We love him too. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. Take it easy, everybody.